This episode of Supermates is dedicated to the memory of Casey Kasem, TV and radio host and the voice of many of our favorite cartoon characters, including Shaggy from Scooby-Doo and Robin from the Super Friends. Do you, Chris, take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Do you promise to barrage her with obscure facts concerning comics, movies, TV shows, and toys? I do. And Cindy, do you take this man-child to be your lawfully wedded husband? Do you promise to humor him by engaging him in his obsessive ramblings, for better or worse, in pre-crisis or in post? Sure, why not? Then by the power invested in me by the High Father of the Fourth World, I now pronounce you Supermates. You may podcast with the bride. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast. I'm Chris Franklin. Um, Cindy? Babe? We're doing the show now. You coming? What? We're doing the show, remember? You you coming? <sighs> what is it this time? Another crappy 70s TV movie? Uh, no. We're talking about the Super Friends episode, Universe of Evil, and the Justice League episodes, A Better World Part 1 and 2, remember? See? More 70s crap. Gaw. Why do you want to talk about this garbage? Are you feeling okay? What's with the eye patch? Is that a goatee? Anyway, I, I thought you wanted to talk about these episodes. You know, they've got the whole parallel world thing going on, evil twins, etc., Wait, evil twins? Uh, hey, who the crap is she? Uh, isn't she you? I mean, what the... She wish, sister. But if you want to talk about this infantile crow with this goofball, be my guest. Oh, no, you didn't. You're not talking to him like that, despite his bad taste in TV. Um, while these ladies sort this out, why don't we take a break, and uh, hopefully we'll be back and ready to talk to Super Friends and Justice League. Calabac, decide. It is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends, so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Mr. Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, Hedrick and Arisia and Woozy Weeks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC. Who's who? Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Trine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water podcast. It's the world's greatest super friends, Batman and Robin. Superman. Wonder Woman and Aquaman. The Wonder Twins, 
banded together to protect the universe from the forces of evil. The Super Friends! Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. The world's greatest super friends. Okay, uh, so we're back and uh, be taking care of that problem uh, that we had. And uh, so we'll just... If you ever want to find out what happened to her, piss me off. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I, I know. I know you're not. And... And I'm sure people that have listened to other shows know you're not. So anyway, as I said earlier, we're going to talk today about two animated episodes that were um, adaptations of the DC Comics Justice League series. And uh, they both involve the whole parallel world evil twin trope. So we're going to talk about those today. The, uh, the Justice League, it didn't take long for the Justice League to, to develop a set of evil twins from a parallel world. That would be the crime syndicate. They actually appeared, they debuted in Justice League of America, Volume 1, of course, number 29 in August 1964. That was in the second uh, annual JLA-JSA crossover. So they'd done Crisis on Earth 1 and Earth 2. This was Crisis on Earth 3. The crime syndicate uh, was the the Justice League from Earth 3 where... And in the crime syndicate's world, everything was was backwards. Like, um, like uh, Abraham Lincoln shot John Wilkes Booth. Uh, the uh, England fought for its uh, independence against uh, America, the United States of America. And so, of course, their version of uh, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and Flash were villains. They actually they actually appeared in that story. And that crossover, and uh, then the next year, there was another group that was uh, created called the Lawless League of America. That was in the next JLA-JSA crossover in JLA number 37. The Crime Syndicate didn't reappear until in the late Bronze Age in the 70s, late 70s, and but after that, they started appearing more often. Of course, they were in the Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely's uh, Earth 2 graphic novel and the DVD film Crisis on Two Worlds, which actually somewhat ties into one of the episodes we're going to talk to about later. And uh, in the recent comic event, Forever Evil, they were the, the big bads of that. The, the very popular video game, Injustice Gods Among Us, is uh, also has some ties to this type of idea. It's based around a Superman who takes over the world in a parallel timeline. Probably... You know, now the Justice League, the Justice League comics with the Crime Syndicate came out first, but the appeal of seeing evil twins on TV, a lot of that stems from the classic Star Trek episode Mirror Mirror, and that's kind of the touchstone for every evil parallel version of a you know main character in any series afterwards. The first episode we're going to talk about is from the, the Super Friends. Specifically, the 1979-1980 World's Greatest Super Friends season. The Super Friends had started in 73 and went through various 
iterations, and by 1979, they were most of the episodes from that season were adaptations of of classic literature. Like there was a, a Arabian Nights episode, there was a Camelot episode, there was a Frankenstein episode. Even uh, this one kind of breaks from that. There's a Wizard of Oz episode, but this one um, is doesn't really have a literary source to go on. It stands out amongst favorites of the classic Super Friends. Most people tend to pick this one out of the seasons that aren't Challenge of the Super Friends, which had the Legion of Doom, and then the Superpowers episodes that came out later. So this episode is called Universe of Evil. The story is credited to Jeffrey Scott, who worked on the Super Friends series forever. Original air date was October 20th, 1979. I was four. I was too. Uh, Wasn't quite five yet. Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman arrive at a South American dam that is beginning to crumble. They aggravate the disaster, causing the dam to be destroyed, and the village below flooded. These are not our super friends, but super enemies on a parallel world. Their Superman boasts he can top the dam disaster and sets about causing Mount Vesuvius to erupt again. The volcano begins to smoke on this world, and also on ours, where our Superman tries in vain to intervene. As both supermen squeeze the volcano on the respective Earths, it blows, causing a dimensional shift that swaps places for the two Kryptonians. I'm sorry, but the whole science quote quote on this is just... Uh, well, we'll get to that later. But yeah, with Super Friends, you just kind of got to... Just the broad strokes. Just take the broad strokes. <laughs> Don't get lost. In, and we'll talk about that as we get into it. Evil Superman quickly deduces he is on a world of good and determines it will be easy pickings. He robs a gold bullion transfer in Switzerland, and when Batman and Robin try to stop him, he traps them in a sealed armored car, slowly losing air. In the universe of evil, the super enemies have intercepted a puzzled Superman, who wonders why his friends looked and act so strange. So I guess being good means you're not as bright. Yeah, he didn't catch on quite as quickly as his evil counterpart. What does that say? Good point. When they they discover he is a good doppelganger of their man of tomorrow, they leave him in a filling well bound by kryptonite chains. Using a combination of super breath and heat vision and a whole lot of nonsensical science, the good man of steel escapes and makes his way to Metropolis University. There he is able to convince the scientist of his plight and she offers him a flask of antimatter. I mean, because she's got it sitting around, right? Well, yeah. Which may send him home. She only asks that he return and rid her world of his evil twin and teammates. Back on our world, Aquaman and Wonder Woman rescue the dynamic duo because God knows they can't do it themselves. And the heroes rush to stop Superman. Hey, Aquaman gets to save somebody. Yeah, there you go, Rob. Aquaman saves somebody. See, there you go. He was useful. <laughs> See? And the heroes rush to stop Superman from taking over the oil fields in Saudi Arabia. Despite their valiant efforts, the Super Friends are no match for the Super Fiend. The good Superman makes his way to the parallel Mount Vesuvius, where he first entered this strange world. But the super enemies arrive with kryptonite laser pistols. Because they had those lying around. Yep. Superman manages to open the flask just as his foes open fire. Instantly, the two Supermen once again swap places with the evil Superman none too happy that his teammates blew his big chance at solo world domination. 
Our Superman returns to his oil-slick friends, who are more than happy to see him come, and his evil twin go. He tells them that they have to see his counterpart one more time, when they all go to end the super enemy's reign of terror. So, the, the way this episode opens, you do not know that you're on a parallel world. You think, you see the super friends in silhouette, and or you see the characters that on our world are the super friends in the Hall of Justice, in air quotes, in shadow. They see the dam's going to get ready to break. And so Superman, uh, I mean, not Superman, but Batman and Robin and Aquaman and Wonder Woman take off in their respective jets because, you know, Aquaman's always bumming a ride off Wonder Woman in the invisible jet. <laughs> and they take off and uh, they actually pull the dam apart. But it's really cool because... But see, but then again, Aquaman is useful. They're in water. I mean, don't be hard. Well, they don't Aquaman. show they don't show them in water. They just show them in the jet. But I'm just saying, I like Aquaman. I do too. You ain't gonna care with me. They they don't use Aquaman enough on here. They they could put more effort into using Aquaman. Oftentimes they don't. Rob will do. Um, Rob Kelly, of course, oh. will do um, uh, reviews of Challenge of the Super Friends episodes from time to time on the Aquaman tribe, and he always like gauges the aqua content you know how much aquaman was in it and unfortunately a lot of times he's not in it hardly at all the, the one with the zombies where the legion of doom get this mystical being that creates zombies for him in the swamp they're in the swamp for the whole episode and they don't use aquaman i mean he could command all the creatures in the swamp mm. to help them and they don't use aquaman that would be a different way to use him and they don't use him which is ridiculous but anyway but the opening scene's kind of neat because they keep the super enemies in shadow. You don't, although Batman looks awful red, the rest of them don't look that different. In fact, there's they cheat a little bit because Robin turns around and you don't really see. He looks like regular Robin in shadow. But the the, the shadows they use are very unusual for the Super Friends. Uh, it actually looks like that early Batman the Animated Series look where you know they had all that mottled shadow, like oh, a separate yeah. layer of of shadow in the cells. The, the the super enemies looks pretty interesting. Um, Superman costume is black instead of blue. He has dark scallop shadows around his red eyes. His eyes are red, so he's like, you know, Jim Lee, Heat Vision Superman all the time. Uh, you know, you got to kind of wonder, is that, why does he look like that? Is he demonic? Is is that just eye shadow? Is he goth? You know, does Was he... Was he exposed to red kryptonite? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Batman's costume is entirely in hues of red, and his ears are longer. And it's kind of interesting because, uh, you know, Bob Kane's original idea, he thought, you know, of course, his Batman was at one point Birdman and then had no cowl and stuff, but he thought he'd be predominantly red. And I think it's Italy where Batman's bodysuit is red. Always in comic books, they color his bodysuit red. Robin has a mustache and a pointed mask, and his colors are darker. Which is kind of interesting. And, of course, Robin is a little bit... He's the teen wonder Robin, so it makes sense he could grow a mustache. Aquaman looks pretty much the same, except he's got an eye patch and a darker costume. So, they were ahead of the curve of the Peter David hook-handed Aquaman. So, they went pirate, you know, decades before. Wonder Woman... It's kind of interesting the way they went with Wonder Woman. She basically just looks haggy. She's got... She's been rode hard and put up wet. <laughs> yeah. She, she she looks Real like wet. she looks like she smokes about ten cartons of cigarettes a day. Hmm. She she probably ought to say, I am a 
I'll get my magic glass on. Got I'll rope you up. Oh, that's awful. You're going to have to cut that out, son. No. She's got a, a sunken face and a darker costume. They don't. They only show the Wonder Twins on the Evil Universe in Shadow at the very beginning. You never see them again, so we don't know what they look like. But their Gleek has fangs, a pointed tail, raggedy costume, and he just looks freaky twisted. He's just, and he's, you know, it's kind of like, kind of, it's like, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's creepy. Just like when I just did that. <laughs> okay, now. I love one one great thing about the Super Friends. I mean, I will I will say this: I have a ton of nostalgia for the Super Friends. But as an adult, sometimes it's hard to watch the Super Friends. You have to dial your brain back to that Saturday morning frame of mind. To the four year old when it originally aired. Yes, you do because they. This was definitely made for kids. There's no. Like the Justice League we'll talk about later was made supposedly for kids, but there's a lot there for adults to enjoy. Super Friends was not. But one thing I will say, their opening title sequences still get me pumped up. They that's in my head, that's that's the way it ought to be. That's the way DC's heroes ought to be. And in that opening sequence for this very series, the world's greatest Super Friends, they show Superman capping a volcano with a boulder. So why in the world couldn't he have just done that instead of trying to squeeze it back shut? Because that would make sense, darling, and the episode would end in two minutes. <laughs> Richard, I will say, though, that Superman, the, the build-up to the two Superman swapping places when they're squeezing the, the volcano on both their worlds, it's pretty, it's pretty well done. I mean, there's lots of real cool, quick cuts. It's pretty intense, especially for the Super Friends. Although there's only there's one problem, and this is another aspect of the Super Friends that you just gotta kind of look overlook. There are tons of mistakes in every episode. I mean, things miscolored, characters standing there that shouldn't be there. Challenge of the Super Friends was awful about that. Like Green Lantern would be captured somewhere, and they'd still be standing in the Hall of Justice with everybody. Well, in this case, when they're squeezing the volcanoes, the evil Superman is briefly shown squeezing nothing. In broad daylight, it's like they left the cell of the volcano out. Oh. He's just like got his arms around nothing in midair. <laughs> so, of course, they swap places, and you know, Superman gets to gloat about you know, people are like, "Hey, stop the volcano!" You know, he's like, "Stop it! I just started it!" Ha ha! You know. So then he goes to the hall of what he, you know, the 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 hall of evil. The our Superman, sorry, our Superman goes to the hall of evil, and when he goes there, it shows. Uh, stars in the middle at one point, but then at another point it shows the devil's face in the middle at the top instead mm-hmm. of stars. So not only were these, you know, bad people, they're Satan worshippers. They're really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, Superman even exclaims, Great Satan, at one point. Now, how- Makes you wonder back then <laughs> how they got that through. I know, because they weren't even allowed to throw a punch. But they're allowed to, you know, it was the 70s. Every movie you watched had some, satan- some satanic oh, well, cult. That's true. Rosemary's Baby. The Exorcist, The Omen, yeah. Satanic Rites of Dracula, you know, all that stuff. When the evil Superman arrives at the Hall of Justice, 
the dim-witted wonder twins don't immediately say, why do you look so weird? He like says, oh, the volcano changed the colors of my costume. That doesn't explain why he has red eyes. Drinking and, the same Kool-Aid as the good Superman. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, might be right. Uh, they quickly forget that Mount Vesuvius is still erupting and tell Superman to head to Switzerland to guard some gold bullion transfer. I mean, I'm sorry, who gives a crap about transferring a bunch of money while these people are getting killed by this volcano? This is true. But, hey, you know, what anyway. So the evil Superman goes to the gold bullion transfer in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Batman and Robin arrive to stop him, and he, you know, puts him in an armored car and seals it up. But before that happens... Batman uses his anti-gravity beam from his, from his utility belt, which the Super Friends, another famous thing for the Super Friends, is giving Batman and Robin some bat shit utility belt items. <laughs> so, it just, I, I'm telling you. He must have borrowed like it from the, Hawkman. Yeah. I, I'm convinced that Batman doesn't have a utility belt. He has a mama's fanny pack. Because <laughs> mama's fanny packs have everything in them. <laughs> Full of band aids and a washcloth, and yeah, see, uh, change of clothes, change of clothes, some Advil, you yeah, know, you know, yeah, could be crayons if you get bored, stickers. Yep. What really sucks is on, on you know on the Super Friends, Batman and Robin, and I am huge fans of Batman and Robin. Obviously, they're my favorite characters. They as they were on the Super Friends every iteration of the Super Friends, but until the Superpowers episodes, I don't think they did a very good job with Batman and Robin. I mean, because, you know, they get trapped in this armored car. They've got their utility belts. Robin tries to get out with this lightsaber-looking torch, and it won't cut through it. And they just kind of give up and hope that their signal on their Justice League communicator gets to Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and who eventually show up. And Aquaman's shown with welding goggles and a regular welding torch and cuts through. Now, how does that make sense? I mean, it's just, which, like you said, it's good that Aquaman's given something to do and he saves Batman and Robin, but at the same time, and why couldn't Wonder Woman just rip the truck in half? I know. Or punch through it. I don't know. But anyway, although Wonder Woman didn't seem to be quite as strong on here, but anyway, another thing, and I didn't even write this down in my notes, but they put Superman, that the super enemies put our Superman in this well and they chain him with kryptonite chains and let the well fill up. So he uses his heat vision and his super breath. The excessive nitrogen in his super breath with his heat vision should eat through these kryptonite chains. Okay, whatever. If they showed it melting, I could almost buy it. It just like disappears and makes that winky, I can't even make that noise that things do on a Hanna-Barbera cartoon when they disappear. Right. Like Space Ghost almost, you know? Room or whatever. It's like, you know, <laughs> what the hell, you know? But anyway, uh, so Superman gets out, and instead of flying at super speed or running at super speed, he's skulking around in the alleyways of Metropolis, which, you know, is kind of neat because they do a really cool... A bit where he's getting ready to go. He goes up to a phone booth and the cops see him. And so it's like, you wonder, is he, is he going to change the Clark Kent? And it makes you wonder, okay, is this evil Superman Clark Kent on his world? Right. Or what's going on with that? Uh, you know, we really don't know. Does he, you know, does, does he still have his Clark suit and his cape pouch? I don't know. But anyway, he gets caught and he flies away. And apparently they say they have 
call Captain So-and-so. She's got kryptonite lasers in her helicopter. So they've established now that the police in Metropolis have kryptonite lasers. So why don't they just attack the Hall of Evil, which is in the middle of the freaking city, just like the Hall of Justice is. It's in the middle of the city. They even get a call. Evil Batman takes a call from the police chief that says, we know you did this, super enemies, and we'll get you. And Okay, why in the hell don't they storm the place with kryptonite lasers? And take but but <laughs> the kryptonite lasers only takes care of Superman. You still got Batman and Robin, the Wonder Twins, Green Lantern. Well, they didn't just show the other guys. This is, I'm just saying. This is post-challenge. They're not on here. But I'm saying, you yeah. know, Wonder Woman, you know, Kryptonite only takes care of one character. I mean, that's that's the problem with this and, and the crime syndicate when they showed them a lot of times. Unlike who the Justice Lords, which we'll talk about later, they're not in charge. They haven't taken over. So it's it's kind of hard to have them operate out in the open like they do and not just be hunted, you know, and hounded. And if they have kryptonite, why wouldn't they? I know we're putting way too much thought into this. Uh-huh. But that's why this this wouldn't, this is a great episode. I love it. As far as the Super Friends, it's one of my favorites. But it, it, it doesn't, it's like almost any Super Friends episode, it holds up to no amount of scrutiny. You know, you just got to take it at face value. But it's, you know, we wouldn't be able to do a podcast about it if we didn't pick at it. So, you know. But anyway, so Superman goes to this scientist and he says, you know, you need to help me, or Superman, get back to my world, you know. And she's like, you know, I, well, how should I trust you? You know, he's like, well, I can't make you. It's up for you to judge, you know. And, and she's like, oh, well, uh, you know, a, a criminal would never, you know, submit their themselves to somebody else's approval. Or, you know, it's like, so she instantly just switches, you know, like a light mm. switch. <laughs> and she just happens to have this antimatter liquid lying around that she's been experimenting with. So she gives it to Superman in a flask and the flask instantly changes its looks completely. So uh, then you get to the uh, the scene in our world with the evil Superman. The super friends converge on him in Saudi Arabia at the oil fields and Superman, you know, takes the pipeline and just spraying him down with oil. And, and Batman actually says, you win, Superman. And even before the days of unbeatable God Batman, which, you know, he's like, nobody can beat Batman. He's got a contingency for everything, you know. This is horribly out of character for any version of Batman. Right. And 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 I know I'm probably going to shock a lot of people. I never cared for the voice of Batman on the Super Friends. Olin oh Soleil, or however you pronounce his name, I... I appreciate he played Batman in, on the Filmation cartoons, the original ones in the 60s. played Batman on Scooby-Doo, and which kind of led into the Super Friends. He played Batman on the Super Friends up through the Superpowers, the two Superpower seasons where Adam West took over. And I just always felt like he sounded like an old man. And that's because he was an old man. <laughs> if you watch, like, the Andy Griffith show, he's on there. He's like the choir leader. Okay. And he's the guy that runs the hotel. He's different characters. I think he was a choir leader more than once. But he's on there. He was on an episode of the Adam West Batman. I forgot what it was. But I remember, oh, there he is. That's him. And But him delivering that line even makes him, you know, it's like this enfeebled Batman just gives up. I'm like, you know, Batman would have stopped by the Fortress of Solitude and got a chunk of green kryptonite out of the 
vault and brought it with him to take out this evil Superman, you know? <laughs> Not saying he got the ring in the cave. I know that's later, but, you know, he would have done something. Um, this episode ends with the biggest tease of all time. And my little four-year-old mind, it, I'm still waiting for this. Superman says that they have to go back to the universe of evil and take out the super enemies and stop their reign of terror. And we never see it. They never do it. They never did a sequel. You know, yeah. this, this show wasn't big on continuity, um, obviously. Um, and they, they never reappeared, which is a shame. But, you know, so somebody ought to do something. You know, I'm surprised somebody hasn't. You know, in the Super Friends comic was, you know, it had the Wonder Twins. It had Wendy and Marvin before. Uh, but it... It didn't follow up to the actual episodes. They never had the Legion of Doom. They had some of the characters, but there was never the Legion of Doom. Um, so you weren't going to get a sequel there either, which kind of sucks. But <sighs> if only. Uh, one thing that's cool, if you watch the show all the way through, at the end of the credits, uh, it shows that Jack Kirby and Mike Sikowski worked on character designs for this series. Now, you know who Jack Kirby is. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, I'd have to kick you out. But <laughs> <laughs> but Mike Sikowski. I can go let her out. <laughs> no, I want to keep you. Mike Sikowski was the original artist of Justice League of America. And he drew it for like the first 60 so, so issues. And which, and of course, the story that introduced the, the crime syndicate. So it's kind of appropriate. Now, I don't know what they did. You know, I think they just listed everybody that worked on the show that season. I don't know what Jack Kirby did. I know he worked for Hanna-Barbera and Ruby Spears during this period in the 70s. He kind of, you know, the, the comic industry wasn't treating him real good, and he went off to animation, and they welcomed him with open arms. He made a pretty good living, which mm -hmm. is cool. This episode is out on DVD. Uh, the Super Friends DVDs are hard to... The way they put them out is hard to understand. They initially came out and, you know, little episode here and there, like four or five episodes of Challenge of the mm -hmm. Super Friends. And then they do Challenge of the Super Friends. They, they put them out in, like, random order. Mm -hmm. And they've got subtitles that make no sense and artwork that makes no sense um, on the packaging. The, the DVD is called The World's Greatest Super Friends. And the subtitle is and, and, and Justice for All. So it's The World's Greatest Super Friends and Justice for All. The the artwork on the front looks like a superpowers DVD because mm -hmm. it's got the Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, mm -hmm. uh, DVD artwork. I mean artwork from the style guides. So, but it is on there, and all the episodes uh, from that season are on this disc. This this is another another weird thing about this one. This was the one that was originally only available at Target mm -hmm. for a limited amount of time, but now it's available everywhere. So. So, um, you know, if you like the Super Friends, if you like the challenge of the Super Friends, uh, this is another um, another great one. It doesn't have all of it. I know the challenge is beloved by people because it had so many DC characters, heroes and villains. And, you know, the superpowers is a little more sophisticated. Uh, the storylines get a little bit, I won't say adult, but they're a little, they're a little less childlike. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're written at a little bit older level, you know, a little more discerning level than most of the Super Friends stuff. I really have been always been a fan of this season because you did get the literary adaptions. Um, the, the Wizard of Oz one's really fun. It's got Mixus Pidlick. They call him Mixelplick, but it's, it's got him in it. The Frankenstein one's cool because 
they this Doctor Frankenstein makes a super super friends monster that's like got Batman's brain, a composite, a composite of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and they have to take the remaining energies and put it into Robin. So you get this super Robin flying around fighting this. It's really cool. It's out there, but it's cool. Oh yeah. And as a big Robin fan, I always love that one. That's one of my favorites. But this is probably my favorite non-challenge, non-Super Friends episode of Super Friends. This is definitely my favorite. So despite all the wonkiness, I still love it. We're looking at another dimension. It's just like ours. Almost. But their Flash is still alive. So's their Luthor. Their world's the mess ours used to be. Too bad we can't help them. Who says we can't? And the dimensions appear to be collapsing on each other. So it's agreed then. Let's do it. I'm in. Look at that thing. And when we stop it, they'll be so grateful they'll roll right over for us. And what's with the new costumes, guys? We just felt it was time for a change. Okay, so we're back, and we're going to talk about Justice League. Season 2 episode, A Better World, Part 1 and 2. It's a two-parter. Actually, Justice League, almost all the episodes from the first two seasons were two-parters. The series was... The Cartoon Network couldn't decide how they wanted to run the series. Sometimes it was run in two parts. Sometimes it was run... As a whole hour, they run the two parts together. They really screwed around with the airing of the show. The first season aired, and then the second season didn't air for like another year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a long time in between season one and two. And like, it wasn't the producer's fault, the creator's fault, because Bruce Timm said they had them. They basically tried to do an HBO season type deal with it because they decided to get all highfalutin. But uh, season two was a big improvement over one by everybody's estimation. Even Bruce Tim and company said so. Uh, of course, this series uh, was headlined by Bruce Tim, who had done Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, and then, of course, went into Justice League. This episode in particular, some of the elements from the things that had happened to Superman, Superman's character was left in a really bad place in the Superman the Animated Series. Darkseid had had uh, brainwashed him and had turned him against Earth. And, uh, of course, he eventually came from out from under Darkseid's influence and fought him, but, you know, kind of left the world not trusting Superman. That played out through these first two seasons of this and even into Justice League Unlimited, which followed. But you kind of need to know that to know how Superman, where Superman's coming from in this episode, I think that helps. Mm. Because you really can see he's been played, he's been manipulated, and, you know, you can kind of understand the decisions that the quote-unquote evil Superman make in this episode. I thought it was really well handled. In Superman the Animated Series, there's an episode called Brave New Metropolis. It was written by Stan Berkowitz and Alan Burnett, and uh, Berkowitz did a teleplay. And it was similar to this in a way. I'm like, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but it involved a parallel Earth uh, Superman as well. But uh, before we get too far into it, let you handle the synopsis here. Okay. 
So this originally aired November of 2003, and Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman storm the White House as President Lex Luthor sets into motion a global war. The mad chief executive taunts the Man of Steel, calling him an accomplice in all of his evil deeds due to his need for public adoration. Superman ends the threat by ending Luthor's life. Really gross, by the way. We'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Um, Two years later, Superman and his teammates have taken over the world and more or less eliminated free will. Now, via a portal he has constructed, because, you know, Batman's one smart cookie, he views a parallel dimension where he and his teammates fight crime as the Justice League, not the Justice Lords. Seeking to bring order to another world, the Justice Lords lure the Justice League to their Earth and trap the team there. Lord Batman stays behind to monitor the prisoners while the other Lords head to the League's world to begin their campaign. The Flash figures out that his Justice Lord counterpart is dead and uses this to trick Batman into releasing him. The Leaguers head to Arkham Asylum to free the injured Hawk Girl. On the League's world, the Lords battle a rampaging doomsday until Superman lobotomizes the beast, leaving him a vegetable. Believing them to be their native Justice Leaguers, the press has mixed feelings about their new stance on crime, but, you know, seems to be working, and the Lords set about armoring the JL Watchtower headquarters. At the parallel Arkham Asylum, the League encounters the lobotomized members of Batman's rogues gallery. Before the Joker figures out, they aren't the real Lords and sends a fleet of Superman robots after them. Meanwhile, Leaguer Batman confronts his doppelganger on his home turf, and the Lord Batman seemingly gets through to his more altruistic counterpart. As the two head toward the fracas at Arkham, they observe a man being arrested for complaining about a restaurant meal. The Leaguer Batman mentions how proud their parents would be of the order he and his team have brought to this world. And you can sense the sarcasm. Oh yeah, it's dripping. Um, Lord Batman arrives at Arkham and takes custody of the trapped Leaguers. He takes them to the Batcave and sends them home. With both teams equally matched and ruthlessness on their side, Batman and Superman confer they must do something they'd never normally do to eliminate this menace. The Justice Lords respond to this prison break of Luther only to find the League waiting for them. After a heated battle between themselves, Luther blasts each Lord with a power nullifier, robbing them of their powers. Superman explains they gain Luther's help in exchange for a full pardon. Now a free man, Luther holds a small press conference where he announces he's thinking about entering the political arena. So, much like the Super Friends episode, this episode begins... Right in the middle of things. The Justice Lords look like the Justice League at the beginning. You have no idea you're not watching the Justice League. Luthor being president, you're like, wait a minute, when did Luthor become president? Because Luthor had actually been outed. All his crimes from Superman, the animated series, were outed in season one. They caught him, which I thought was great. So you had the switch from evil, you know, Man of Steel reboot Lex Luthor into, you know, mad scientist George Perez power suit Lex Luthor, which right. was great. Um, so to have him sitting in the White House, it, although he was he was president in the comics at this time, mm. so which I'm still not sure how I feel about that. But so you have Luthor in the White House, you're like, what the crap's going on? But you don't know is it is this a, the future, a dream, an imaginary story? You know, right. you don't know what's going on. The part, you know, Superman off camera, you see Superman's eyes go red, and then. 
you see Batman and Wonder Woman fighting these White House guards, and Batman's like, you smell that? You know? Yeah. And, and it's the smell of burning flesh. And they go in, and and Superman's got his face in the corner looking out the window at the, at the White House, and there's this big heated hole in, through Luther's briefcase. And you don't see Luthor, but it's obvious that Superman has just vaporized him with his heat vision. <laughs> and I mean, Batman puts his arm, you know, puts his arm on and yeah. hand on him and says, you know, had to be done. It had to be done. Don't feel bad. Yeah. I, you know, how are you feeling? He's like, I feel great. Yeah, that's your first clue that, okay, something's going on here. And it really, they really play this out for a while. You do mm-hmm. not see the whole portal thing going on uh, till later. Uh, when you get into the two-year-later jump, they have altered their costumes. And uh, actually, uh, these costumes, which are which are pretty cool, I wouldn't want to see them wear every day. Right, right, but, but I do uh, like them. I like them, too. They're good alternate uh, outfits. And what's really neat about it is uh, these were actually designs that Tim had, Bruce Tim had briefly considered giving them when they first started working on Justice League. He briefly thought about giving them a uniform look. Like, updating all their costumes and giving them, like, uh, you know, they've all got the bands around their arms mm-hmm. and their legs. And, and uh, you know, giving them that kind of uniform look. It's interesting. Apparently, he uh, he designed, at least designed Batman and Green Lantern that way. According to, I think that's the Modern Masters Bruce Tim book I got from Tomorrow's. He may have designed other ones, too. But it's interesting because, like, Batman, his chest symbol looks like the Batman Beyond symbol. Uh, Superman's outfit looks quite a bit like his Batman Beyond outfit when Superman was on there, and which is kind of weird because after the events of this, why would the good Superman ever switch to something that looks similar right. to the Justice Lord one? But then again, he was under the influence of Starro in that episode, so right, right. who knows? Now, I will say this, and I mean, this is just something I want to mention. Wonder Woman has short hair mm-hmm. in, this co- in this costume, and to me, that makes sense. I mean, all of these women that you see drawn in comic books they have these big lovely flowing locks and i'm sorry but if you are somebody that is going to be a fighter it does not make sense if you're going to be brawling you put your hair up or you contain it in some fashion or you cut it to me that makes sense which speaks to in this episode she is more instead of more of a peacekeeper she's more of a keep order so she would be more ready to be a brawler be more ready to jump into it and so yeah. So she has short hair, and that's across the board. If you're looking at any superheroine, any of them I see with long hair, just as soon as I see that, I'm like, you know what? Somebody's going to reach up, grab it, and... Well, you see that sometimes on Justice League where they're able to get more violent. They pick them up by their hair and swing them, and, right. you know, so, I mean, it's it, it happens on here. And one thing uh, Wonder Woman's costumes need because they bring a lot of Donna Troy's mm-hmm. classic Wonder Girl outfit into it. The whole red bodysuit thing, which right. is cool to see. Green Lantern outfit looks quite a bit like a just a different Green Lantern. I mean, oh, yeah. We, I we've mean, already seen multiple Green Lanterns on yeah, this series. Yeah, uh, Hot Girl's outfit uh, looks like quite a bit like what we'll see later in this season in the uh, in the big three-part epic where we learn that Hot Girl's the traitor on the team mm-hmm. uh, sent by Thanagar. So, Starcrossed. I'm trying to think of that name of that title. Then... You know, Martian Manor, they actually kind of get, it's actually kind of a pretty good look, you know, nice updated his costume, but. Oh, I, I like that too. I mean, I know classic Martian Manhunter, the chest harness and stuff like that, but I like the more 
covered up, you know, that they show in this. I like that look. Well, you know, they kind of brought that into the comics. Um, you know, if you think about it, the the post-Infinite Crisis Martian Man, her, the suit kind of looks quite a bit like that. Kind of like what he looked like in the um, Crisis on Two Worlds and the Young Justice. You know, he had that same kind of look. It's very similar to that. It's kind of funny, you know, uh, you get a cameo by George W. That president looks a lot like George W. Bush, Bush asking if he can... You know, we can, can we have elections this year? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like, no, I don't think it's a good idea this year, Superman tells them. So Batman, the, you know, Batman builds this portal, and, uh, you know, they even kind of address, you know, wow, you, you've been a busy, Superman's like, you've been a busy bat. And he's like, you know, nothing else to do around here now, or something, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they've got crime. Well, I'd say he's a smart little cookie. Yeah, so he's had time to, you know, tinker around in the Batcave and develop a transdimensional portal. Uh, which is good that they, you know, because really Batman's got that. But by saying that, by coming out and pointing out that, hey, you know what, you know, that takes, you know, that takes care of it. You yeah. Forget about it. You know, if they just, Batman's got a portal in the Batcave that goes to another dimension. You'd be like, oh, whatever. You know, <laughs> but they take care of it because they're smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, I I'm, can't help it, Bruce Tim. That is the universe that my DC well, lives in. Well, that's one, one reason I wanted to do this one, because I know you like it, and of course I do too, and that's why I wanted you to... I read the Super Friends synopsis, and you read this one, because I know you like the Justice League series. So the the Martian Manhunter comes through the portal and basically gives them some BS story about how the universes are all collapsing on each other. Basically, it's like Crisis on the Internet. Yeah, Earth. when you hear it, it's the expat explanation. Yeah, so it's kind of neat. The League isn't really that surprised by seeing another version of John. They're just like, oh, we see this kind of crap every day. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, if it's Wednesday, there must be a parallel universe doppelganger standing in front of us, you know. It's, Why not? Hey, you want to go get tacos? You know, I don't know. But, uh, Maybe so, they get shawarma. Get shawarma? Yeah, that's just Marvel. It's oh, Marvel okay. Universe. <laughs> so speaking of, speaking of the Marvel Universe, so the Justice Lords tricked the League into this room and they just like start electrifying them, you know, which, you know, they were uh, the animated guys relied on electricity a lot in a way to take out Superman without using kryptonite, which I was always kind of like, ah, you know, in the comic books, Superman electricity never seemed to bother mm-hmm. Superman, but you know, that's okay. But of course, you know, takes down Superman, but in the Martian Manhunter, but who gets up? Hawk girl, because Hawk girl's got her magic mace that can do anything. That is my one gripe. About Justice League is Hot Girl and that damn mace <laughs> got on my nerves. It's like it's not freaking Milnor here, people. It's a damn. I know it's nth metal and they made it even more special, but it's like God, oh, shoot. that was worse than Superman. They like downplayed Superman to. It's the deflector shields of Star Trek. Yep, it's the next <laughs> generation modulate the deflector shields and solve every problem. Yeah, it's next generation. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah, that's next generation Star Trek. I mean, takes out Solomon Grundy, you know, the mace, you know, takes yeah. out Solomon Grundy, all that. See, see? Yeah. Sol- Deflector shields of Justice League. Yep, it, yep, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, the Lord's trapped the Justice League. They got them all tied up. Batman can't figure out how to get out because he's thinking against himself. And his, I'm not, you notice I called him Lord, I wrote the synopsis, I called him Lord Batman, Leaguer Batman. Right. Because they're not evil. That's what I like about this one. Right. And you can see their justification for right. what happened. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, you can actually see their point. I mean, that's, that's great about it. Obviously, later on, you get, they get more ruthless. You understand that they're, and obviously, Superman killed Luther, you know, outright and, and everything. But, you know, you can, you can see where they're coming from. But um, it's real, one really cool part 
is the fact that Flash outwits Batman. Mm-hmm. He plays on the fact, he realizes that, hey, I must have died here. And he fakes his, a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And Batman goes in there and frees one arm. And he just pounds the crud out of Batman. And then he's able to super speed get himself out. And right. And free everybody else. Which is great because, you know, I love Flash on here. And love Michael Rosenbaum as as Flash. Which Michael Rosenbaum's awesome anyway. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great, great Lex Luthor. Great Flash. So... And, of course, you know, we haven't really talked about the other voice cast. It's Kevin Conroy's Batman. <laughs> oh, Batman is Batman. <laughs> and he plays two Batman, which is always great when Kevin Conroy. He got, over the years on the different series, he got many chances to play multiple either versions. versions of either himself or, like, Thomas Wayne or, you know, a Batman robot or, you know, and it was always cool to see him go toe-to-toe with himself, which they really do later in a really cool scene. On our world, the Justice Lords come in, and it just so happens, it's kind of weird, but it's in a way it fits in with the way it was in the comic books. It's just so random. Doomsday shows up. Yeah. This is just like it was in the comic books. Doomsday showed up and started tearing the shit out of stuff, and Superman had to fight him. Well, Superman lobotomizes Doomsday. I mean, he's like, Doomsday's a lot more intelligent here. Uh-huh. He can uh, speak. Which know. he did later in the comics because he right, evolved right. more. They, they built that whole backstory where it gets defeated. He evolves beyond it. But he's like talking smack to Superman while he's holding him up in the air. And Superman just fries his brain with his heat vision. <laughs> it's like, wow. But, you know, really, as harsh as that seems, in the comics, Superman killed him. Right. I mean, he was... Superman went in for the kill. He knew his own way to stop him. And, of course, he killed Superman. But It makes you think. I mean, this happens on the League Leaguer's world. How would this have been? How would Doomsday have been ha- handled by the Justice League Superman versus right. how the Justice Lord Superman? I mean, what? Yeah. Well, later on, you know, in Justice League Unlimited, Doomsday comes back. His brains basically, you know, because he can evolve beyond how he was defeated last time. And there's that whole deal where they're fighting on that uh, that that uh, South American country with the volcano with a volcano bringing things back together again, <laughs> and you know General Island goes to nuke them. And all. I mean, it's we won't get into all that, but a lot, almost every story thread from this is paid off in like season two of Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. I mean, it all comes back to haunt them. Everything from this, which is great. I mean, you know. It, it was all bubbling under the surface. It wasn't, you know, it's like, oh, wow, I, I didn't think they'd ever do anything with that. And they did. Throughout this, you you saw earlier on the Justice Lords world, before they went to the, uh, find out about the Justice League, Superman was having dinner with Lois Lane. And Lois Lane's Dana Delaney again, even though Superman's not Tim Daly, he's George Newbern, but they both do a really great job. And I, I really don't honestly have a preference I right. like both of them. Mm-hmm. So, I almost would say, I hate to say this, as much as I love Tim Daly, I almost like George Newbern better. Mm-hmm. Because he puts, I think he puts a little more, he's a little less stoic. He puts a little more emotion in his voice as Superman. Yeah. And I think that helped because Superman got jacked up by what Darkseid did to him. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of volatile in this series. He like, like earlier in this season, he went nuts and just, him and Darkseid had a throwdown. He didn't care who got in the way of it. Yeah. And just... Beat, I mean, he burned a hole through Darkseid's foot, which is, hey, he's like using his heat vision here in this series. But Lois and him, Lois is basically, you know, Superman's conscious, and the Justice Lord Superman's essentially ignoring her. Right. So it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of like, you know, 
he's ignoring Lois. He's ignoring Clark Kent. You mm-hmm. know, Clark Kent's not even brought up in this one. And in fact, I don't think in Justice League they show Clark Kent much until um, until Justice League Unlimited when kind of everything settles down. And it's, it's almost like uh, Kingdom Come where he puts the glasses back on at the end and he's, yeah. he's got it figured out, you know. It's just cool. When the good league gets out on the Lord's world, they have to go rescue Hot Girl who was injured using her magic mace. And they go to Arkham Asylum, where everyone, all of Batman's rogues are lobotomized, including the Joker, who is still voiced by Mark Hamill, but sounds incredibly creepy. (laughs) Good God, he sounds creepy. He's just so, you know, so, oh, good to see you, Superman. I mean, it's just all like, ugh. It's just, and coming out of that face, it's just, ugh. It's creepy, but he's still a fink because when he realizes it's not them, he like rats on him and runs off, you know. Mm-hmm. So even Lobotom has. But however, I do have a problem with this. Okay. okay. Unless this was a regular stop that all of them were supposed to be coming to the hospital anyway. Yeah. Then why on earth would it be? But so and so was supposed to say it. Wonder Woman was supposed to say this instead of yeah. you know. Why would that? Mm. See that doesn't make sense. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. I, I, that I have a problem with. That's a plot hole. Mm, I don't know. No, maybe, it's a plot hole. Maybe they were all scheduled to come that day. No, 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 no. Maybe no. they worked it out. No, no. That's no, a that's right because they knew they were leaving. Exactly. That's mm. a plot hole. Yeah, that could. It's a little bit of a. It's not. I wouldn't say it's a plot hole. It's a plot uh, oversight. Yeah, maybe. But still, it bugged me the whole time. Okay. I'm like, you know, no. Well then. They release these Superman, Joker pushes a button, releases all these Superman robots, which, you know, that's kind of a corny throwback to the Silver Age, but Superman even says, yeah, I built them to, which he used them on Superman the Animated Series mm-hmm. before. To take over. Yeah, because when, when, when Darkseid abducted him, he had, Supergirl had one flying around and it wasn't working right and stuff. I forgot about that until just now, but um, it, it's kind of weird because I was watching the DVD commentary uh, with Bruce Tim and several of the creators, and they were talking about how the lines that Superman, the Superman robot's lines are all taken from Justice League Season 1. And so they're kind of random, some of the things they say. But they got criticized for the, how they handled Superman in Season 1. They changed his design from the animated series. People say he looked too old. They gave him real defined cheekbones. He looked tired. They took him out of the action like instantly in every show because they just couldn't figure out what to do with him because... You know, any story that Superman's in, he can take care of it without anybody else's help, really. They basically depowered him, and a lot of Superman fans were honked off, which is one reason why they started so strong with the Superman Dark Side fight. Uh, So they were kind of, again, addressing their mistakes from season one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although there is a Super Friends-like mistake in this sequence where they're fighting the the robots. Uh, Superman's costume has uh, a white S and shield with a yellow, with a red background on his Justice Lord's costume, and one part when I think it's Superman himself is fighting one of the robots, the background of the shield goes from red to yellow. So that's a Super Friends type goof in the Justice League episode. <laughs> it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to catch anyway. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, Batman's gone to the Batcave, mm-hmm. the Justice Lord Batcave, mm-hmm. and Batman had obviously stayed there because they knocked him out. Well. The two Batman confront each other in the Batcave, and they have this really cool back and forth conversation. And it's neat because almost as soon as it starts, 
they're in shadow, their faces are hidden. You don't know which Batman is He's saying, saying what. what. And you certainly realize that uh, the Batman, much like Spock in the Mirror Universe episode, is the common thread between the two mm-hmm. universes. Batman says this, the Lord Batman says this great line about, you know, creating a world where nobody, no kid has to worry about some punk with a gun, yeah. you know, killing his parents. And Batman, our Batman, throws down his batterings like, you win, you know. And uh, it's it's a great moment, just real powerful. I mean, this is, you know, clearly, there, there's no, I mean, our son Andrew watched these episodes mm-hmm. when, they were, when he was a kid enjoyed them, but they're working on multiple levels oh, here. Oh, yeah. But it's nothing, I mean, yeah, the part where they vaporized the president. Well, you know. <laughs> you know, maybe a little much, but they didn't show it, so, you know. There is one weird part where, because they do use lines of Superman's from the previous episode, the previous season, four of the robots, one of the parts of the Superman robot goes flying past the the screen and says, thanks. It's like, what? I don't know. That was too, that was a little too random, but I guess <laughs> that was just them having fun. The two Batman go, go to Arkham to get, you know, find out what's going on. Uh, they're in the Batmobile and they witness this guy at this restaurant complaining about the food and he's not going to pay. Well, they just arrest the guy and throw him in the meat wagon, you know, the, oh, the, yeah. the paddy wagon. Our Batman says, mom and dad would be so proud. You know, <laughs> it's, like, it's a great, another great line. This is the, the Batman dialogue's great. The Justice Lord Batman shows up at Arkham. They think it's our Batman in disguise. They mm-hmm. think he switched costumes. It's like he's like, oh, we really for a minute there. I thought you were you were their Batman. He's like, I am, you know. Yeah. And uh, but you know, Batman's figured out the kind of illogic of what they've been doing, and he lets them go. So they yeah. go through the portal, and they realize, you know, these guys, these Justice Lords, are ruthless. The fact that they realize, okay, we're going to have to step outside of our boundaries to stop them mm-hmm. is very adult. Uh, I mean, it's not something you'd see. Well, I mean, a child sees the world in black and white. Yeah. An adult, it's shades of gray. Yeah, well, this is and very this is, gray. You know, that's... This is very gray. I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, the Super Friends, it was clear. This was a universe of evil to hammer at home. They had the devil on all of evil. Right. They said things like great Satan. This is the justice. This is what one dip day difference could mean for the justice. Like one decision. Of course, you know they would have. They'd have to be slight. I don't think the justice. League, even if Superman turned that way, I don't think the rest of them would all follow in lock and step. But clearly, there's a little bit of difference. But it's subtle. Mm-hmm. That's what's so interesting. It's and it's to me, it's more interesting than the crime syndicate or any of the other versions that we've seen. This truly is a parallel world, not just a evil universe, you know, I mean, which right. there's, that's fun. I mean, don't get me wrong, but the, you know, the, the fact that this is so, so well, the well-handled. theory behind parallel worlds is that, you know, each decision has the possibility to spawn, you know, yeah. kind of like the books that a lot of the kids like to read that are in the library, you know, these what if stories, you know, right. this one decision makes this happen, makes this right. happen, makes this happen. And, I mean, that's the whole thing about parallel worlds. There's going to be some that are very similar, but with one small change, changes this, this, and this. And then there's others that, you know, it's a whole domino effect that there's a whole lot more that has happened based on. Right, right. You know, each decision has the possibility to be even a bigger decision down the road. Right, right. So, I mean, you know, if you got a clear domino effect, Superman made that decision. 
and then the rest just fell into place and this is the difference that happened. And of course, like I said, as you watch the rest of this season and especially Justice League Season 1 and and Justice League Unlimited Season 1 and Season 2, you see these events come up. You see Luthor, we're getting ahead of ourselves, we already said he entered the political arena, he runs for president. Uh, It looks like it's heading that way. It's you kind of get the feeling that he killed the Flash, and right because they don't have a Flash, their Flash is dead. Mm-hmm. Luthor killed the Flash. Luthor is is going. It looks like Luthor's going to kill the Flash. The question gets involved in this conspiracy theory: if he kills Luthor before he kills the Flash, he'll stop the Justice Lords from the league yeah. becoming the Lords and all this stuff. It gets very. There's every the, this episode is so important to the actual overall series. In ways that and it's still completely enjoyable on its own. It helps if you know the backstory from the Superman animated series and the things he went through. So you can almost like, okay, I can kind of understand why Superman would do this, you know? Right, right. Uh, but this is probably the most important episode of the first two seasons of Justice League mm-hmm. for the overall series. Uh, but um, you know, they make they make a deal with Luthor. They make a deal with the devil, basically. Yeah. And uh, this, you know, right now in the comics, they've got. Lex in the Justice League, you know, Jeff Johns has shown a great interest in exploring villains, and and in my opinion, you can go too far with that, you can make them too, you know, too relatable, you know what I mean, it's right. like, uh, you know, it, it, and then it, to, if you go too far with it, at some point you make the heroes ineffective, you know, it's like, well, why do I care about the heroes, you know, and you're focusing so much on the villains, you're not fleshing out the heroes, and uh, but we won't get into that, but you know, they make a deal with Luthor, and he's got this nullifier thing that you see him at the beginning of the episode trying to use on the Justice League, like Flash takes it apart for his chance to. He zaps the Lords and takes away their powers. And uh, so presumably they're, you know, in prison. I don't now, know. here's my question. Was the nullifier supposed to work from here on out, or just long enough to get them captured and contained? If I remember right, I don't remember them showing up again. I mean, I know Brainiac used like robots that look like them, including a Flash that looked like uh, the reverse Flash. Or was that just an action figure? I think it was on there. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, it was. You know, I, I think it was permanent from my understanding. And so here's my question. I mean, you know I had to throw this out here. I can't help myself. Yeah. Number one, why does Luther give the gun, the Ray, the nullifier gun, Ray, whatever, back to them. You know, he's a villain. Why would he keep his word? Well, I mean, if you think about it, Luthor, the Luthor of the animated series was the evil businessman Luthor. He wasn't, and I use the word evil, you know, because he did evil stuff, but he wasn't the blithering idiot Luthor of the, you know, the old uh, gray, uh, prison grays Luthor that would, you know, like Mark Wade has said, you know, he'll build a $10 million robot to steal $100,000 out of a bank. You know, he wasn't, I mean, he, this was the better deal. It was the better deal to trade the gun in and get a pardon, you know, than take Superman. And I'll take him out later. Right now I've got my freedom. I can run for president. Well, here's my thing. He built that. Here's the other question that goes in with that. He built that nullifier and apparently he built it in a very short amount of time. Yeah. What's to stop him from building it again? Oh, well, they, they could. They could have. They But they went off in different directions with, with Luthor. You know? But, I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, yeah. But 
that's what's in Luthor. Ben brought that up, voiced by Clancy Brown, who was awesome. I always hear his voice in my head. I mean, he's I, I accept no Luthor substitutes. You know, he's he's fantastic as Lex across the series as he changed, and he you know he he's you know businessman Luthor. Uh, mad scientist Luthor, Legion of Doom leader Luthor. He mm. was great as as super, from Superman, Justice League, and he's great in everything anyway. But you know he's the Kurgan from yeah. Highlander. You know he's awesome. But anyway, so it's funny. You know at the end, evil Superman says something like, "Everything he does from now on is on your head. It's your fault." And and he's right <laughs> to yeah. a point. But you know it was either that or let these guys take over the world. Flash says something like, "I say you." You're not much of a Boy Scout. And Superman's like, never got my first merit badge. I love that one. <laughs> Especially considering our sons in Scouts. Yeah, and our daughters in Scouts. Yeah, our daughters in Scouts, too. But uh, the big Boy Scout thing. The story, according to Bruce Tim, this story actually started out as a crime syndicate story. I mean, using the actual crime syndicate. Ultraman, Owlman, Superwoman, Power Ring, you know, Johnny Quick, uh, all those guys. Um, but they decided... To, they wanted to go more subtle and, you know, less just flat evil, which, like we said, was great. The, they were also, uh, on the DVD commentary, they said they were influenced by The Authority, which uh, was a Wildstorm comic, which eventually came under DC's umbrella. Uh, it was written by uh, Warren Ellis and drawn by Brian Hitch, and that was, a, you know, a, a, basically the Justice League on another world that that basically didn't have any problems, you know, just taking care of business no matter how they had to do it. So that played into it too. They actually, like we said, all the, the threads would, would be played out over the rest of the series. Uh, and actually after um, Starcrossed, they were going to do a movie in between Justice League and Justice League Unlimited where they fought the crime syndicate. And they actually dusted that off. They didn't end up doing that. They just went straight into Justice League Unlimited, but they actually dusted that idea off and did the Crisis on Two Worlds direct-to-DVD movie and basically just took it out of the continuity of the Justice League cartoons. Although you still had... No, you didn't have any of the voices in that one. That wasn't any of the same voices in that one, I don't think. I'm getting it confused. I don't know who did what, but it wasn't Kevin Conroy. I know. I think that was... Who was Batman in that one? I don't know. But anyway, they... So the way that one ends, they do get more members, and it kind of makes sense, like they've opened the membership up, right. which you know would lead to unlimited. So if you think you can kind of almost figure that in, but it almost kind of doesn't work since they already did this, right? So I kind of see why they didn't do it because they already went to that well. It's kind of like you know, and after they did such a great job with this more subtle take, you know, why bother? Do you got anything else on this one? No. Um, so this, this episode's available on uh, Justice League Season 2. <clears throat> no weird, you know, releases on these. They're fairly you know, straightforward. Fairly straightforward. Although Justice League Unlimited is weird because they put Season 1 and 2 together and they just call it Season 1. And uh, so <laughs> Season 3 is actually on, I think, I don't know if they called it Season 2 or they just called it Volume 2, but it's really Season 3. So, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, Justice League... And the the pre unlimited Justice Leagues are on DVD sets that make sense, so they're out there. Uh, if you haven't seen them, you know you're doing yourself a big disservice by not watching them. We love them, and we recommend you know most definitely that you check them out. And it was fun, you know, talking about them and in relation to Super Friends. 
you know, the, the Justice League's been well represented. And, you know, I'm kind of interested to see. It makes me wonder if, you know, Warner Brothers, if they're smart, <laughs> they'll be putting together a Justice League cartoon. Uh, you know, because you got the Batman v Superman, the legal battle, uh, the Dawn of Justice. <laughs> Batman serves Superman with some legal papers, and they make a movie about it. You know, because Batman is played by the guy who played Matt Murdock. I'm just saying. You know, he's got some law experience. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you've got that, and you know we've already we're already hearing all these. You know, you already knew you had Wonder Woman. We already we heard we had Cyborg. Now we we got Aquaman. So you know you're getting a Justice League cameos in this movie, and then supposedly Zack Snyder is going to go straight from this to directing a Justice League movie full blown. Disney was very smart. They got a Avengers cartoon on before the cart the movie ever came out as they were building toward it and then they changed over now they've had two actually they had two different series and uh you know it, it would be really smart for them to get you know those characters out there and quit worrying about making freaking batman cartoons people you ain't gonna top the animated series Mm-mm. and you're not gonna really top the justice league either but i think you can do you know it's more open to there's more chance of different interpretations amongst all those characters but uh, well i think that'll about wrap it up uh you know, if you got uh, opinions, comments on this one, we'd love to hear them. Uh, you can email us, uh, supermatespodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, leave a comment on our main page, which is supermatescomic.blogspot.com. You can Facebook us, look up Supermates. We're out there. Leave us a message there. If you feel froggy, you can leave us an iTunes review. I understand that bumps us up in the iTunes hierarchy, so that'd be nice. And uh, we actually have got quite a bit of feedback here lately, so we'll either do a new feedback episode again soon, or we'll just sneak some in mm-hmm. into the next episode. And actually, the next episode, we talked about a little bit about Donna Troy and Wonder Girl in relation to Wonder Woman's Justice Lord costume. So actually, that's a good, nice little segue. Uh, next time, we're going to be talking about the classic New Teen Titans story from issue number 38 of that title, uh, Who is Donna Troy? Uh, by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. And uh, so that's a favorite of ours, and I know that's a that's a classic from a classic run. It's a standout issue from a run that almost everyone loves. And if you don't, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you just don't like comic books. There you go. You <laughs> so, do not like comics if you do not like that. Yep, that's right. So, so we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Supermates is a Franklin and Franklin production in association with Bugaloo Enterprises worldwide. Fictional characters and events mentioned in this show are trademarked and copyright their respective owners. Likewise, all audio clips are copyright their owners, and we mean no infringement by either. Thank you for listening to Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast. <laughs>